You feel super short around those dudes, huh? Around everybody in the it's, building. Because even Peja and Vladi in front office have played before, so. Yeah, Vladi ain't short. We saw him walking around. He looked like a dinosaur cruising around there. Yeah, he's he's big time. He's huge. So uh, what do some of these players call you when you're uh, in there working with the team? Uh, my favorite one is, is Zebo. So Zebo is like the funniest guy on the team. He's hilarious. But anytime he walks in the room, he says hi to everybody. But he has a weird nickname for everybody. So when he walks in the right room, he says, Ram Wham, what's up, Ram Wham? What's up? <laughs> but he's like, but for a guy who's known throughout the league as kind of a bruiser and a guy that, that's going to battle right. with you, he's like the sweetest guy. And so it's funny. He's just always smiling like, Ram Wham, how you doing, Ram Wham? Like, so it's pretty funny. How did some of this stuff come to be? Because uh, you're a young guy. How old are you? I'm 26. You're 26, but you had this uh, this job as a Sacramento Kings strength coach for at least three or four years. Yep, finishing up my fourth season now. So I got hired at 22 as the assistant. Damn, barely old enough to have a goddamn beer. <laughs> and they yeah. like just give you the keys to the palace and say, "Hey, man, let's see, let's see you get these guys strong." Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they didn't they gave me the assistant key for two years, and mm. then uh, my former boss went back home to the Chicago Bulls. And uh, yeah, at that time, it, I was pretty, like, I was excited for the opportunity, but also for a couple of weeks, I was unsure if they were going to really hand me the job at right. 25 to be the head strength coach. But uh, credit to uh, my boss, Pete Youngman, our director of sports medicine, who said, yeah, man, just do your thing. And That's so crazy. What, what did you do? You uh, went in there one day and you cranked up some Metallica and deadlifted 600 for like 11 reps and then they were like, you're the guy? Yeah, yeah, essentially. Uh, I failed on a few benches and they said, man, he's pushing himself. He probably pushed our players. So the rest is history. But yeah, I mean, just as an assistant, I was in there every day and, and truth be told, like training helped because my players saw me train and they saw yeah. that, okay, this guy's doing it. Mm. So when he tries to get us in there, he's practicing what he's preaching. He understands what it means to not necessarily want to do something every day, but do, going through it. So I think that helped. A question I ask myself often is, uh, how does this help? How does this hurt? You know? So when you, when you're in there and you're training and you're training with the athletes or sometimes even just training with the other strength coaches, it's like, well, how does this hurt my position? Mm -hmm. It can only really help it. Right? right. I mean, it's more, it's more helpful than anything. People see your work ethic or, um, you're getting in there maybe an hour or two before everybody else is. You're in there training and uh, the other guys are, you know, the other guys are kind of walking in and maybe you're finishing out a set. Mm -hmm. And it may not be necessarily just the weight. Right. You know, it might not be that you're squatting 700 pounds, but if they see that you're go you're getting after it and uh, you're falling apart on a set of five with like 405 and a squat or something mm -hmm. like that, but you're still pushing rep mm -hmm. three, four and five. Then they're going to be like, oh, damn. And then to those guys, because they're tall and lifting weights ain't their thing, a lot of times they're just, uh, they haven't developed that kind of strength. Right, right. No, absolutely. That's, I think, big part of building relationships with our guys is they often walk in and, you know, they may walk in a couple hours before practice and just want a foam roll before they eat breakfast or whatever. So they might right. pop in before. And, uh, and yeah, they'll walk in and they'll see, you know, I'm going for a 1RM. Uh, like I did that every day for a month when we were kind of talking before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so like almost every day guys were like walking in like, damn, what day is it now? What day is it now? <laughs> so it was just cool for them to see like, I'm just experimenting the same way we- They think you're crazy yeah, too, right? Yeah. Well, like, they think you're crazy, but they, I think they just appreciate like, yeah. okay, this guy's really doing it and he's in here every day. And, you know, I'm not staring at the clock trying to leave the gym every day. I'm in there, whether I'm training or coaching or reading or, so I'm always in there. And so they see that and I think it just helps with buy-in for sure. The whole staff is lifting too, right? You guys get after it. I mean, you guys come came here to Super Training. Uh, we had a couple of great sessions here. We went over to the Kings uh, facility, which is really cool, man. That's a that's a great setup you guys got mm -hmm. over there. And uh, we got after it over there. I brought a little Smokey over there and some of my guys. And uh, we, we had a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so Josh is our intern this year. And then Evan's the assistant. He's been with me now for two years. And Evan likes to throw it around, man. He likes to get after absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Evan loves weights for sure. Our, the joke with some of our players is that he eats he eats weight for, weights for breakfast. So, uh, so yeah, we we get after it, and, and that's the other thing too. Like, we try to treat our staff as a team, so our our players know we're a team. And so when they walk in, they're like, "Man, this this crew was really going to take care, good care of us in here." You know, it's uh, <clears throat> when it comes to strength and conditioning, uh, there's a lot of kind of like unforeseen things. You know, I think um, 
you know, I, I've done some of it, uh, not to your level, not on the pro level, but I've been, you know, training people and working with people for a very, very long time. Uh, I've had the um, great experiences with some professional athletes over the years. Um, but even in working in, uh, you know, the high school, uh, working with a lot of high school kids and stuff like that, when I was a strength conditioning coach over at Pioneer High School, there was a lot of things that I just, that I, I didn't know kind of went down as mm -hmm. a strength coach. Cause I was all fired up and I'm like, you know, I know all this stuff about West side. I'm like, we're going to use bands. We're going to use chains. We're going to do box squats. And we're going to, you know, do a and B and C. And then once you get in there, you're like, wow, man. Okay. Is this takes a lot of energy even just to get these guys, uh, you know, two, three, four exercises in an hour. Uh, you have to, um, it to be really well organized, mm -hmm. you know, and I was just thinking, Hey, we're just going to crank up some music right. and we're just going to go nuts. And you can get yourself to that point. But what are some things that you didn't see, uh, that, that, uh, were kind of an issue, you know, coming into it where you're like, Oh man, I didn't even know that that was a thing. I, I now I need to get my shit together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the biggest adjustment for me probably coming into it was I was just under the impression that, that athletes would want to train. And I, I think that's like a common perception out there is these guys are the best athletes in the world mm. they've all made it pro they're highly motivated etc cetera, etc cetera. and so you assume that they're just going to want to come they got into this the weight burning room. desire to lift weights yeah and right it's typically the total because you saw kobe bryant on a freaking sprite commercial right you're right. thinking these guys are going to want to get after it exactly exactly you see the story you hear the stories of jordan or kobe or you see the commercials of lebron and you think oh every nba player wants to do that and typically those guys are obviously paid for those things anyway so <laughs> right. that's typically just for the camera um, so that's been like a unique challenge is I came in thinking the same things like I'm going to write the best programs. My program is going to hit X, Y and, and AB or ABC all the way through Z of every kind of demand that the sport is giving us. And we're going to attack every one of those and all my guys are going to be prepared, et cetera. And then you get there and you're like, damn, he doesn't even want to come in today. <laughs> I would, you know, I got this, I got this crazy good program and I got to get him in here. And so, um, that's been the, the unique, but also like exciting part of my job is, how do I get guys to give me effort when I know they don't want to? And so, mm. what, you know, what different tactics do I have to use coming into the gym every day? And sometimes it's the same thing for every guy, or sometimes it's, you know, hey, that worked yesterday for this guy, didn't work today for this guy. So, yeah, just getting these guys in the gym and, and trying to get them to understand why we do things. And in the NBA, what you have to do is, you know, I think before you get to the NBA or the professional level, you can kind of sell the weight room as a performance-enhancing opportunity. You know, right. you come in here and it's going to make you better at your sport. A lot of these guys are in their mind already as good as they're going to be when it comes to getting and, the benefits. And, and they kind of have to think that way. I mean, uh, none of these guys are going anywhere without a, a chip on their shoulder, mm -hmm. without an ego, without thinking that they're the best. I mean, you even just see the guys walking around. They walk, they walk. I mean, I know that they're freaking seven feet tall, but mm -hmm. they walk different than everybody else mm -hmm. too. They mm -hmm. just have, they have a kind of a swagger about them. They got a, and rightfully so they're really good at what they do and they mm -hmm. kind of need that mindset otherwise sure. they ain't gonna ever get they're gonna get chewed up and spit out for sure for sure and that's that's also been something that i've come to appreciate you know sometimes you can perceive an attitude from a guy like ah he shouldn't be that way but sometimes like no he's stepping on the court with the best basketball players in the mm -hmm. world if he doesn't have that mindset he's gonna get tore up tonight and he's gonna be back on this bench and, yeah. and this is their livelihood right if you get tore up on you know game to game it's gonna be hard for you to stick around in this league and make money so a lot of these guys have a lot of pride, you know, and, uh, you know, I know from being around some, uh, professional athletes, you know, it's, it's sometimes hard to find, uh, you know, how do I get these guys, uh, you know, leg pressing or lunging or squatting, or it's like, uh, there's definitely a disconnect to mm -hmm. like the weights. Right. Mm -hmm. But if they got their ass handed to them the night before, right. maybe it's like, Hey man, like you got embarrassed yesterday, yeah. man. Like that dude had 22 rebounds right in your face. Right. He dunked on you several times. Like this is your opportunity to try to do for something sure. about that. For sure. And, and, but that goes back to kind of their pride. Sometimes it's tough for those guys to address that. Mm. And in a team game, if you know, if you're, if your guard ends up with 25 points, well, sometimes it's easy for you to say, well, he was coming off screens or coming or defense or when it's like, no, that was on you. <laughs> And this is your opportunity to help correct that for the next time. So, uh, yeah, you got to manage that kind of appropriately because if you go mm -hmm. just straight at a guy, then obviously his ego and his pride are going to be, you know, take a blow. And so he's probably not going to want to come in. But, yeah, those are our opportunities to get in the film room with coach. And as the coach is talking through, hey, this is why he had 22 rebounds and dunked on you. Right. Well, if we're in the room, then it's kind of easier for the player to connect the dots. Like, okay, that's why I need to go and squat 
and deadlift and all of those things. Right. So it makes a little more sense for them. What's your education background? Because I know you, you kind of said you've been, you know, you've been training and you've been hanging around the gym and you also had this uh, assistant job before you got your head coaching job. Um, but like what, there's got to be like a history of uh, college or something going on too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I can't, I grew up in the Bay Area, Antioch, just an hour from here. And then uh, I did my undergrad at UC Santa Barbara down south. Uh, I did that in three years. So that was 09 to 2012, graduated 2012 from there. Uh, went down to Cal State Fullerton. They have a center for sport performance. Um, Is that where we went to, Andrew? Yeah, that's where. We, that's no. where Andy Galpin or yeah, no? That was yeah. different place. Yeah, yeah. No, that yep. was Andy Galpin. Yeah. Yep. So Andy Galpin and I, we've actually published a paper together. Oh shit! Uh, that started as a class assignment with him. And Dude, that guy, he he took a muscle biopsy of me and my bro, and he <laughs> found some like mutant shit from me. <laughs> he was yeah. so geeked out when he seen marks. It was such a bummer because like we pulled it out of, or they pulled it out of Chris Bell, and they're like, oh, okay, that yeah, that's cool, that's cool. And then they pulled marks. I was like, oh my gosh, like, dude, everybody get in here. And then Chris was like. Well, I, I guess mine wasn't that special. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's still sending me messages about. It. I guess they're still like studying it and stuff. And it's yeah. like this shit is, you know. But I guess, you know, uh, uh, they haven't really done a lot of testing on mm -hmm. uh, power lifters. So right, right. I'm sure whatever he's looking at is, uh, you know, mutated from all the heavy lifting, and not some weird uh, mutant genetics that I have or something like that. There might be some Superman in there. Yeah, so. ho yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> uh, find something in there that we can sell, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, Some uh, sort of gene. But yeah, so start went down there for my master's and that was 2012. Did that in a year, 2012, 2013. Uh, and that was exciting for me. Like I was able to learn and really kind of get firsthand experience in a lab. And so I've always loved working that out. That son but of a bitch is smart. Yeah. Yeah. And so and there's a, that whole center for sport performance um, has amazing. It was really built by Dr. Lee Brown. Yeah. Um, who's a legend in our field. And then, and then they, uh, but what Dr. Lee Brown did was he brought on a bunch of young studs, right? And so Dr. Andy Galpin came in. Yeah. Now he's built a, a lab and is establishing a name for himself, and he's killing it. And and then there's a couple other others down there, Dr. Jared Cobra and Dr. Scott Lynn and um, Guillermo Nafal. So that lab was awesome. And so for me, as kind of you know, I played basketball growing up my whole life, and then I liked training, but I never really cared for science like that. Mm -hmm. And so you get in that environment, like wow, this is amazing. It's really cool to really see that this is an actual science and not just a bunch of people lifting weights and so you kind of went from an athlete that maybe uh didn't care about the uh, some of the lineage of uh of exercise science but mm -hmm. then you got as you got into it you're like it really opened your eyes absolutely absolutely cool. and, and i just realized i seen the the impact that applying it can have with that with athletes so when i was an undergrad at uc santa barbara i was fortunate to land an internship that turned into a job as a strength coach with the d1 programs and then after I did my master's at Fullerton, I went back to Santa Barbara to start a program at Santa Barbara City College. And so that was a really cool experience. I was 21 at the time, and uh, a community college handed me their strength and conditioning program. We had mm. an outdoor gym in Santa Barbara, so which you can do because you rarely, it rarely rains there. So we rarely right. got rained out. We had rogue equipment. kind of looked like a CrossFit. Oh, and that's cool. Yeah, it was really cool. And uh, I remember the AD called me after my interview, and he's like, hey, you know, we want to offer you the job. And, and I was kind of flirting with some other ideas. And uh, I said, hey, let me, you know, just give me the weekend. I'll call you back. And he calls me five minutes after that. He's <laughs> like, no, man, we need you. This job is yours. And he was so excited. Oh, that's cool. That I just like immediately said, okay, I'll take it. And I was like, damn, I don't know if I really should have took that. But <laughs> it ended up working out. And so I was there for a year. And then um, after that year was when Sacramento Kings called me and they needed an assistant. The guy Were you kind of like, what? <laughs> well, no, I wasn't, I wasn't that surprised. And that's only because um, the guy who hired me here um, Chip Schaefer, who's now with the Chicago Bulls, he was in the NBA for like, he's been in the NBA now for 25 years or mm. so. And he took over at UC Santa Barbara for about, you know, six months when I was finishing up my undergrad. So I worked with him for six months. Um, and he kind of let me know, you know, hey, you go get your master's and I'm going to take care of you. And I didn't really know what that meant, but I just trusted it. And so I went and got my master's in a year just to show him like, hey, you said you're going to have my back. Well, I'm going to work my ass off to make sure oh, you know that cool. we get there. And so you know, you fast forward a couple of years from there and he ends up calling. And he's like, I need an assistant. I'm like, oh, shoot. It's like, mm. hell yeah, let's do this. And I didn't ask about pay, nothing. He could have said, 
I'll give you a dollar an hour. I was going to sign up and come here and do it. So it's got to make you feel good. You know, like, uh, someone's, you know, they go around the room, you're at a, at a fancy dinner or something like that, or at a party or something like that. Someone's like, Hey, what do you do? And like, Oh, I sell insurance. Hey, what do you do? You know, everyone kind of mumbles their job around. Yeah, yeah. I'm a trainer or whatever. Like no one wants to ever talk about it, you know? Uh, but for you, you know, working for the Kings, that's, that's gotta be pretty cool. And people probably get, get excited, mm-hmm. especially people in the area. For sure. They're like, Oh shit, you're with the Kings. Yeah. And then I'm sure they're probably like, Hey man, you got to get them better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah anytime you tell me your strength coach for the kings they first it's exciting and it always turns into like a discussion about the roster or the yeah, I was like, yeah i'll just i'm just strength the coach, the, the, the uh plays and shit like that yeah. and the style of offense and why aren't they starting so and so you're like i don't really know i'm just uh trying to get yeah. them to be stronger and you just always have to remain like politically correct you're like yeah i, I don't know just you know, <laughs> keep supporting us you know yeah, sometimes the ball doesn't bounce your way, right? Absolutely. Uh, in working with these guys, you know, I, I know a lot of times professional athletes can be pampered, you know, where they come in and uh, it's like all foam rolling, all single leg, single arm type stuff. Uh, you know, they're not really getting after with the heavier stuff. And sometimes there's there's obviously tons of reasons for those uh, protocols. But do you guys get after? You guys do some uh, one rep, three rep maxes here and there. You guys... Uh, throw down here and there crank some music and get after it yeah no absolutely i mean uh and that's one of the things that i think we take pride in is that you know while we are mba strength coaches quote unquote we're not many bands and stretching a foam roll like yeah you've seen a lot of that right it's just like man do these guys ever i I remember uh even in uh you know talking to some uh, ucla uh football players years ago um when i started working with a couple guys i was like oh man it's gonna be so sick this is gonna be so much fun these guys are huge uh they're gonna want to like get after it all the Mm -hmm. time and i was like okay it was like well what do you guys bench and they're like well i don't really know yeah yeah we don't really do bench i'm like you don't really do bench okay uh what like do you use dumbbell bench like (laughs) incline bench uh they're like no man and i was like uh okay well what about like a deadlift you guys mess with deadlifts what kind of deadlift you got they were like no i don't know man like we don't really ever do any of that and i I just kept asking you know squats trap bar i'm like is there (laughs) you know and uh they just said hey you know we don't really do a lot of that stuff man we're stretching and we're doing i'm like man i'm like you guys are already athletic you already Mm -hmm. move really well so that's all you're ever working on Mm -hmm. is uh continue working on that path but you're not working where you're weak which is just getting stronger right right and some of it's like some of it's justifiable in the sense that in the nba you play every other day and some guys are playing 35 40 minutes every other day so the the grueling you know demand on your body is there but with that said i think it's easy for uh strength coaches at the professional level to kind of be a little bit cautious because mm. the worst thing you could do is obviously injure an athlete in the weight room, right? If a player gets hurt in the weight room, you probably will lose your job um, if it's a serious injury. And so because I think strength coaches are afraid of that aspect of it, right. they just caution to the other side. And I think, unfortunately, they you know that's that's a disservice to your athlete because the reality is if these guys aren't strong. They can't take on the demand of the season. Mm. Like you're playing 82 games, you have to be able to withstand the demand and the blunt trauma that comes with accelerating and decelerating every other night. Um, so lifting weights is the best way to do that. And we confidently believe in that. And that's why, you know, we, we put these guys through this, which is why some of these videos, you know, someone like Frank Mason, for example, he, he's had a good training background, but, um, you know, most of these guys don't have a good training background. So the first thing we get them in the weight room and talk to them about is like, look, we're going to lift weights. We're going to lift heavy and we're going to push you because your muscles need to be able to adapt to the demands of the sport. Right. Yeah, you're going to have to uh, have them overload here and there and have them uh, challenge each other. How do how do we prevent some injuries? Because, I mean, that's got to be the biggest thing. These guys are uh, landing on each other and they're, they're jumping so much. I'm mm-hmm. sure a lot of ankle things, a lot of knee uh, injuries. There's tons of injuries uh, playing a sport like basketball. And then plus going 1,000 miles an hour. Yeah. It's uh, really hard to, uh, you know, contain too, too many things. But uh, how do you combat some of that? Yeah, I mean, I think combating injury is obviously a very complex, uh, you know, issue. But I think, in my opinion, it starts with workload management. I'm probably a little biased there because that's what my dissertation is on. Uh, so I'm, that's currently kind of what I'm studying is workload in the NBA. But I think it starts there with the simple fact that if you, regardless of how prepared an athlete is, if you ask them to do too much, then they're just going to break down over time um, or acutely, right? And that's where you might see some Achilles or some hamstrings blow. Um but or longitudinally, which is like patellofemoral pain, where guys are just kind of they just have nagging injuries. So if you can't, it's like jumper's knee type deal, tendonitis. Exactly. The knee, yeah. And so no matter how prepared a guy is, 
Um, if you ask them to do more than they're ready for, that's always going to occur. Mm. So I think it starts with understanding um, load management and what they're going to be demanded to do in the sport. And so, you know, something we do with the Kings is I'll look at game loads every night after a game. We check in with, you know, hey, how many accelerations did this guy have? How many decelerations did he have? Uh, we don't get jump counts, and that's coming probably in the next couple of years with the technology that we're getting. Um, but I think you just start there and you say, okay, what is it? What's this week mm-hmm. going to look like? Um, and then beyond that, it's just now you dive into like the specific specific risk factors of a guy. So if you have guys with hamstring issues previous, okay, well, that's a guy we're going to focus on building hamstring capacity with because we know that's been a problem in the past. So I think it starts with understanding load, and then you just dive in on each individual. What does he actually mm-hmm. need? To handle the demands of the sport. Yeah, you're thinking almost from like a weight room perspective. You're kind of thinking, uh, all right, you know, I'm going to have the guy do like glue ham races, you know, and mm-hmm. he's going to have strong hamstrings and then uh, stiff leg deadlifts. And, you know, you you end up with a wide array of, uh, of movements, right? But mm-hmm. uh, really, it's more like um, uh, get your adrenaline way up, uh, rest for 30 minutes, uh, come off the bench, flex your hamstring as hard as you fucking possibly can. <laughs> Uh, for a few accelerations because a coach put you in because you're good at defense and you're good mm-hmm. at rebounding. Uh, sit back down, get mm-hmm. cold, and uh, let your shit tighten up again and then flex your hamstrings as right. hard as you can again. So it gets to be really complicated. And you Absolutely. see a lot of hamstring pulls um, in uh, in sport like baseball, mm-hmm. you know, where there's a lot of, uh, there's just a lot of, you know, uh, downtime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, basketball, you're not thinking there's any downtime because you're thinking, man, they're, they're hustling up and down the court nonstop. But there's a lot of fouls. There's just a lot of stuff. Stuff, sure. A lot of standing around, just just the nature of the game, when it's the end of the half, towards mm-hmm. the end of the game, um, and just resting players and rotating them in and out. So mm-hmm. it can be complicated. Is there anything you've been able to kind of teach these guys to do on the sidelines? You know, they're just kind of sitting in their chair, mm-hmm. you know, they, they try to activate anything, they try to move around at all? Yeah, some guys do. Uh, perfect example, like last night we were at Utah and, um, you know, we got one of our kind of more common exercise just like a banded hip opener so we'll throw a hip circle on over their knees oh there we go plug in the hip circle <laughs> look at that circle so we'll, we'll throw a hip circle on just yeah. tell them you know take a seat and just do hip openers and so for example yesterday pregame i tell buddy yo you owe me 30 i don't care how you get it you want to go three ten mm-hmm. rounds of 10 two rounds of 15 just give me 30 reps and uh he's like oh okay okay damn i'm activated yo keep that on the bench keep that on the bench so cool that's kind of how we just try to get guys so we have a foam roller on the bench we have a mini band and we have a, like a long stretch band and um, and then we're just there for them, whatever they need. But kind of like to what you were talking about before, it's it's just a tough environment. Like yeah. you're hyped up before the game. And the reality is you're going to sit down, you know, after layup lines, it's probably 30 minutes before a guy checks into a game if you're not a starter. Mm. And so if you're someone like Buddy, who's kind of our first guy off our bench, and he's expected to come in and score quick for us, it's like, man, that's a tough spot to be in, <laughs> yeah. you know. And, and so, you know, they got to be ready because that's what they get paid for and they're pros. And it's our job to prepare them for those things. There's also a mindset to the whole thing, right? I mean, you're traveling, um, you're on a bus, you're on a plane, you're just kind of, you're you're all over the place. And then, uh, you know, who knows? Like, maybe there's some things at home that happen. Maybe there's some, uh, um, you know, maybe the guy gets an argument with his wife. I mean, there's all these side things that you don't ever really think about. Um, you know, maybe the guy stayed up too late. There's just, there's all these things. But is there anything in particular that you try to work with the players? And I know it's got to be hard, especially... Uh, you know, being a younger guy, um, but, you know, once you earn the respect of these guys, you're mm-hmm. around them a lot. Is there anything in particular to work on a mindset to try to, you know, again, it's it's got to be a weird position. These guys are getting paid millions of dollars of pros and you're, you know, you're like, hey, you got to be, you know, <laughs> it's it's a hard thing to try to, uh, you know, get there and uh, be preachy to them. But mm-hmm. is there anything in particular to try to work on, try to have them uh, have some positive self-talk to themselves? Yeah, for sure. It's, you know, to me, it's it starts with trying to, uh, stop any of the negative psychological effects that come with with the sport and the demand. Mm-hmm. So as guys walk in our weight room or just walk into the gym, we're checking in with them on the front end, like, hey, how you feeling? And sometimes I don't even care about the answer. We'll take a wellness score every day. And so they score that uh, numerically so we can track that. But sometimes Getting it's just- Getting judged on everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we try to track a lot, but, yeah. but sometimes it's really, I'm just looking at you and seeing how you're going to respond. I may write the number down, but really I'm seeing your mood and your attitude and how you give me that number. Um, and then from there, that's when we make tweaks. So it might be, you know, walking in the way room and say, Hey, we had this plan and mm-hmm. it might've been like a four by whatever five on the trap bar. Um, but it might, but then we might tweak that to say, ah, he's kind of beat down. I could tell by his, his body language. Let's cut that back. Let's cut that volume in half. Um, and so that alone might help as we go into the next day and the yeah. next day. 
Um, but then beyond that, we try to prepare these guys for kind of some the inevitable obstacles that they're going to come, you know, into with the season. So an example that comes to mind for us is this year we have 25 guys under the age of 25. Holy shit. Or excuse me, 10 guys under the age of 25. Uh, so we have the youngest roster in the NBA. And so what that meant for us is these guys are going to run into a lot of issues where, you know, they have stress at home, they have uh, family problems, or they have minutes, they're not seeing the minutes they want. And so because of that, what we try to prepare them for is, hey, you're going to have times in the season where things just aren't going to go your way, but you need to make a decision now on how you're going to respond to that later. Mm. And so sometimes that helps as well, right? Like, perfect example, a player last night comes to me and says, ah, oh, man, I'm not playing anymore. I look at the box score and he's playing, you know, 18, 19 minutes. I said, no, you're playing. He's like, I know, but I was playing 27. I said, look, man, we've already been through this. We've already seen this. This happened two months ago. Right. Uh, you know, a few weeks later, you became a starter. So just prepare your mind for, hey, these things come and go. But our, our uh, you know, our job is to just maintain our habits through those times. Right. Be there when the team needs you. Yeah. You know? just, and, and just and, be ready. Yeah. And be, and, um, you know, it's a tough thing to swallow, tough pill to swallow, but be better, you know, mm -hmm. like to be better than you were the day before. And hopefully you're called upon, you know, you're stealing the ball, you're nailing threes and right. people are like, it's almost undeniable mm -hmm. at a certain point. You know, that's mm -hmm. something I wanted to do with, uh, you know, my weight loss is like, you know, I wanted to lose some weight at first. I'm like, just feel better, be healthier. And then I'm like, you know what? I just want to get, I want it to be so ridiculous to where people are just like, what the fuck's going on with this? Yeah. Where it's undeniable in a right. way. Like what, what, like what is this motherfucker doing? Mm -hmm. The point where it drives other people to try to either A, figure it out, B, join in or mm -hmm. C, just stand back and be like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it, man. Right. I don't understand how he's doing it. But yeah. you know, that's, that's kind of the, the mindset. I think the kind of mindset that you need to have if you're going to be on that next level For sure. uh, in the NBA, you got some guys on the team that, uh, that really kind of thrive in, the, in those uh, moments. Mm -hmm. A couple guys that, that uh, just are cold as ice. Right. When right. we uh, interviewed uh, Chuck Liddell, that's, that's where he got the name, the Iceman. It was because like before a fight, he was just like super chill. You got nice. some guys in the locker room that are relaxed before a big game and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. We got a handful of guys that are, I think are, are relaxed. Now it's, uh, you know, it's tough to say how relaxed they'd be in a big game because yeah. at least this season we haven't had, you know, those big games. Right. Um, but I think we are going to get there with this young roster. But where we see it is, you know, just two nights ago, we're playing Golden State at Oracle. It's a wild arena. Game's tied with, you know, under a minute oh, to go shit. or whatever. And uh, and we have on the court five players that, you know, all of which want to take that shot and they're ready for that moment. And oh, so that's, that's like, a, that's a good problem to have. You yeah. Know, you look at some teams that have a franchise player or one or two all-stars and it's easier sometimes to actually try to guard those teams because you know this dude's going to take the shot. And so we can send two or three guys at him, and he's not going to pass it. Whereas on our team, you can't really send any, you know, two or three guys at anybody because if you send two guys at bogey, he's going to kick it to Buddy. If you send two guys at Buddy, you know, we got Willie Curlin. So every guy wants a shot. So it's, it's kind of a good problem to have because every, every one of our young guys wants that, that opportunity to kind of be the, the hero for the game. When you're at some of these games, you got to be feeling it too, right? I mean, you know, here I that uh, you know playing the uh, Golden State Warriors, you're playing some of these uh, past uh, NBA champions. That's gotta that's gotta be a good feeling, huh? Absolutely, and we've had some fun moments in there. We've actually we beat them twice this year uh, at Oracle, and I think we're the only team to do that. We're Damn. I think we're uh, don't quote me on this, but uh, because we won the last game, we're now two and one against them. We play them one more time uh, in a, about a mm. week at Golden One Center, and. Uh, I think we're like one of only two teams in the past six years that have beaten them twice in the same season. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting. So what me and Andrew were talking about before here was, you know, for us this year is a big learning curve. And, and those are the moments we want. We want to see what our young guys can do with a minute to go against the defending champions um, and, right. and how we're going to handle those situations. And so it's been exciting for me just on the bench to just kind of watch and observe this. And sometimes you get a guy that's getting high. Like I remember a few years ago, it was crazy. You know, we had Clay Thompson, unfortunately, go off on us in the third quarter. <laughs> uh, but you just sit there as a fan of the game and you're like, man, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes someone just, uh, they, they, what, they hit the zone. For sure. And they're just fucking going. <laughs> they're unstoppable yeah. for a little bit. And the hoop just turns into, you know, a hoop. <laughs> yeah. Like it turns into, yeah. like, that's, they're not going to miss. I remember that year, uh, Clay put 37 in the third quarter and Shit. we actually fouled him like he had like 30 and we ended up fouling him at half court 
Ref blows the whistle, and he just throws it up from half court. Like, it didn't count. The play was dead. But in the middle of him being in the zone, he just threw it up from half court, and it still went in. And you're like, mm. man, this guy's in the zone. So, um, And we have some guys that can get going in the zone, too. You know, we have some shooters. And so it, th- those are amazing moments to watch the, the world's best basketball players become the best self or their best self. And you just watch them in those moments. You're like, man, this is cool to be a part of. I'm always amazed at just, uh, you know, what these guys can do with the ball. You know, mm-hmm. these fucking dribbling skills. You're just like, I can't even make any sense. <laughs> like, how, how the hell are they able to do some of that stuff? Mm-hmm. You know, a huge aspect of uh, strength and conditioning is always the conditioning side of things. And for some reason, it uh, doesn't get talked about as much. I think you think right. strength and conditioning, you think I'm going to get the guy in there and he's going to, you know, do some lifting and obviously uh, trying to stay healthy and stuff like that. But the conditioning side of things is something that can actually keep you healthy because if you're in shape enough, uh, then more than likely you'll always be in a good position. Mm-hmm. maybe not always in a good position, but you'll be in a better position than if you were slower or than if you were uh, in, uh, if you weren't in as good a shape, sure. you might not be like in the right spot at the right mm-hmm. time, maybe in the wrong spot at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. And that's where you might twist your ankle or land on your shoulder funny yeah. or how do you get these guys in shape? What are some things you guys are doing? Yeah. I mean, in the NBA is, it's kind of a unique probably position as a strength and conditioning coach because they play so much basketball that you almost don't have to do as much conditioning. Uh, during the off season, we, we start sneaking in um, conditioning and it really depends on our off-season model. But because we have so many young guys now, we have a lot of guys in the off-season. So early on in the off-season, it's, you know, right when season ends, dude, don't even touch the court for a month. Like, right. get your body off the court. Go hike or fly a kite. I don't care. Just stay away from the court. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then after that, we start adding in a little bit of aerobic work, which is just low-intensity stuff. And then as we sneak closer to, towards training camp, um, you know, our goal is to, just get them prepared for training camp. Training camp could be crazy. Sometimes it's two practices in a day, and sometimes mm. both of those are hard. Um, so it just goes back to kind of building the capacity for those guys. And, right. Um, so we do start sneaking in. Uh, to me, the best work is court work. But before we get on the court, we might be on a salt bike or a climber. Sometimes I'll take them out to, uh, like I remember two years ago, we took them out to the river. I don't even know where it was at, but we took them out to the river just to do sand hill repeats. Uh, so you're just preparing them for what the inevitable is, which is training camp. And then from there, usually the rotation actually takes care of the conditioning itself. So for us, well, we I don't worry about our high-minute guys. Like, you're going right. to stay in shape because you play every other day. It's not like the you know NFL where you play one day a week and then you got six days where you yeah, have to kind of There's not as much. Uh, there's still a lot of contact, but not as not as much, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then your your guys that are on the back, of your, back end of your roster that aren't getting minutes, those are the guys that we do have to worry about. Um, and so we do have a team rule. If you don't play 15 minutes a game, then you owe us 15 minutes the next day or that night mm. of conditioning. So that's one way we get them is just we just maintain their conditioning that they have by um, making them get on a, typically on the court. Because, again, if you're not getting the minutes in the game, then we have to get you minutes in practice or on the court after the game. Any of these guys train the same uh, day that uh, you have a game? Yeah, yeah. A handful of guys for us for sure. A lot of guys like it because it's almost like their activation. Right. That's what, like I tell my guys all the time, if I was an NBA player, I would lift the day of game because mm-hmm. um, it just makes a little more sense. Like as long as we don't fatigue you in the weight room, then all you've really done is just potentiated your muscles, and now you're right. ready to go. Um, whereas if you try to lift the next day, so if you play on a Monday and you think you're going to lift on Tuesday, well, any delayed muscle soreness might come on the next day. So now you actually might be sore it gets during the game. Gets to be kind of tricky, yeah. So you don't really have a good recovery day. Um, so guys do lift game days, and some guys like it as kind of a prep for them. Mm. Um, and then depending on our schedule, so if we have like three days between a game, which is very rare, but if we have that, then we'll try to sneak our heavier lifts in between those days because we don't really want to go too heavy on a game day just because what's typical in the NBA is if a guy misses a shot, like I've literally had players like airball and then scream at me on the bench. And oh, like, yeah. The whole bench starts cracking up because <laughs> Cause they know, like I'm a shit talker. Yeah, so yeah. As soon as someone said, I'm like, "Yo, you airballed that on your damn self." Like, right, don't, right, right. don't come at me. Like, yeah, that's your own problem. Yeah. yeah, like you getting paid a lot of money not to airball, so don't come at me. So my guys know, like I'll come right back at them. So it's not a big deal. But, um, but what I don't ever want is I don't want them to feel like the weight room is is making their performance, you know, or hindering their performance. Right. Because um, as soon as you lose a guy on that end then it's going to be tough to get them back in. <laughs> yeah. There's uh, you know, a lot of people kind of forget that lifting weights is supposed to make you feel better. Mm-hmm. Get, get, going to the gym is supposed to make you feel good. It's not supposed to make you, I mean, of course you're going to have some muscle soreness and of course you're going to, you're going to get after it, but that's the main goal with a lot of these guys, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You, you should walk in uh, 
typically, you know, these guys are fatigued anyways because they're already tired from the night before or whatever or the travel. Like, so even if it's not a game day, we're probably traveling. Right. So they're always kind of tired. So they come in. Our job is I want you to feel better when you leave my weight room than when you walk in. Right. And that's not always possible because there's days where it's like, no, we're just going to grind through a five <laughs> by five today. And it's yeah. just, that's just what we're going to do. Because it's going to be the same weight and you're not going to love it, but uh, we have to do it. Exactly. And so on those days we prepare them for that and we tell them like, you're not going to feel good when you walk out of here and you might not feel good tomorrow. And so that way, the next day when they wake up and they're a little sore, they're like, okay, he told me that was going to happen. So we try to prepare them for that. But yeah, ultimately our goal is if you walk in, you leave the gym feeling better and in a better mood. Like I want you to be happier. I want you to feel like we took care of you and you're excited to be around us. So, uh, so yeah, we don't want to kill these guys at all. Is so, the main, main, main thing communication, communicating back and forth with the athlete and seeing where they're at. Is that mainly how you are uh, structuring a lot of these workouts? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, we have a, we have kind of a plan a, when they walk in the weight room, mm-hmm. uh, but then based on, Literally based on the body language, right? When they walk in, like if you walk in and you just sit on our plow box and you just put <laughs> slump your head shoulders, down, yeah, like okay, we might go to plan B now. Now if you walk in and you're like, "What up? What up, baby? Let's get it." <laughs> well, we might stick to plan A, and so we got plan A on the board or or in our app that we use to track our programs. Uh, but there's typically ten modifications that come within mm-hmm. that, and sometimes they're just on the fly, and sometimes it's based on just convenience. But we try to stick true to plan A, and then we just modify based on the athlete what they're presenting to us so you might not like just lift heavy uh just in the off season you could be kind of pushing it a little heavier mm-hmm. even even in season just kind of sure. depends on how the guys are feeling for sure um it probably wouldn't make a lot of sense to go real heavy uh if you traveled for a month and you're coming back and everyone's just wiped the hell out right, right. there's probably certain uh opportunities to certain opportunities to go for it mm-hmm. um what do you think you're your background um, has done, you know, where has that kind of come in handy? Just having the education. Cause I know that you, you've done uh, specific studies on like testing, like bands and chains and mm-hmm. uh, single leg movements and um, unilateral stuff. How has that kind of come into play? Yeah. I mean, it, many ways. Uh, the first way I think is the fact that I'm a doctoral student or doctoral candidate. Now my boss wouldn't have given me the job. I don't think if I wasn't kind of at that stage in, in my academia career. So you think it's important for other people to <laughs> at least pursue pursue some of that, huh? Yeah, I mean, especially if you, if you want to be the strength coach at the professional level, like master's is becoming the gateway. Like if you don't have a master's degree, mm-hmm. it's going to be pretty tough to compete at this point. Uh, there's few examples or exceptions. And, and once you get, like, that's just going to get you in the door. Like once you get in the door, your degree is not going to keep your job. Like you have to, you got to kill it. You know what I mean? Because my boss is getting an email every day about from someone that wants to take my job. And I get emails daily from people who want to be my assistant. Right. So there's people that want these jobs. So once you're in there, you got to kill. But I think having a degree helps just because it shows, it's a quick way to show people, I understand the science behind this. Right. Um, so that's kind of, I think on the front end, I think the other side of that is my athletes know that I know my stuff and you know, it goes back to communication like you talk about. So the way I talk to talk about what we do to our front office is a lot different the way I talk to our athletes. Gotcha. And so when I'm able to, you know, for example, a player's uh, trap bar in, you know, two weeks ago or so, and I just throw a band over the trap bar, he's like, oh, what's the difference between this band and the chain? And so I go <laughs> into like kind of curvilinear versus a linear strength curve and talk about, well, the bands provide more elastic components versus your chains and et cetera, et cetera. And they're like, he's like, oh, damn, like, you know your stuff. Like, yeah, but we don't need to talk about that. Just throw the band on, let's get after it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I think it helps with the athletes too, as long as you with can the players, you're like, just shut the hell up and do it. <laughs> right. Um, and so, and occasionally they'll come in and they'll say, oh man, I'm, I'm hurting, Ram, I'm hurting. I say, oh, I knew you were, but here's why. And so I'll, I might show them a graph about, you know, their weekly load and see, well, that was your toughest week in the past month. And that's why you're hurting. And they're like, damn, you track that stuff? Yeah, I track it. I do more <laughs> than just play rap music and talk shit. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's just opportunities like that, that I think help build buy-in from our players. It's, they know I'm a shit talker. They know I play the music they want. They know that I'm getting after it with them. But on the back end, they also know I'm studying them. And so I think it helps with buy-in. What motivates you and keeps you excited to, because uh, it's it's hard to move the needle with these guys every day. There's some days where the sun's out and everything's perfect. And there's some other days where shit's kind of dreary. The team maybe lost two, three games in a row and everyone's just like, everyone's just fucked. Everyone's just mm-hmm. down, right? Yeah, yeah. How do you, like, what's motivating you? And what's your driver? What gets you fired up to keep these guys fired up? Yeah, I mean, 
it comes and, it comes and goes, obviously, right? There's times where you win two or three games in a row and you're like, damn, this is awesome. And there's times where you lose by 30 two nights in a row and you're like, man, this just is quiet. Yeah, as hell in there. you know, and it's a back to back and you're on the road. And what people don't see is when we land in a city, you know, typically. So what most people don't know is after an NBA game, we fly out right away. And so some people think you might sleep over, but in the NBA, you can't do that because you probably play the next night. Um, So we fly out right away. We get to a hotel about 2 a.m. And if you're in cold Milwaukee or Cleveland, or there's, I've been in a damn snowstorm in New York. Well, right when we land, we're pulling bags at 2 a.m. because we want the players to get up in their room and go to sleep as fast as they can now. Most of them don't go to sleep right away. Like they got other things they're doing, but we want them to get up and go to their room. So we're pulling bags. And so you're there at, it might be 3 a.m. and you're sitting in the snow in Milwaukee and you're like, man, I could be, I could have a nine to five and just be chilling. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, but I think where we find inspiration through, at, through, you know, through the roster, but also, you know, just personally is there's just times in the game where, you know, Garrett Temple two nights ago is chasing down uh, Quinn Cooks on a breakaway, thinks he has an easy layup and Garrett Temple comes out of nowhere and blocks it off the backboard. And you're like, damn, like. But I know why he did that because he prepared for that and I was part of that preparation. And so when you see those things, mm. it just kind of, it keeps your fire lit and you're just excited to keep going. Yeah, it makes it, makes it all worth it, right? It makes all the all the stuff you're doing worth it in the end. Yeah, and, and it's also, what, what's cool about our young roster is because because I'm their age, like it allows yeah, he me came to- out, they're, they're showing it, we're showing it now. Yeah. He came out of nowhere with and that. that. It's awesome. And that's what Garrett Temple does right there. Like he's- Anytime a player thinks he has a layup, Garrett Temple's yeah. coming. Yeah, he, um, he timed that shit perfect. Yeah. But uh, because we have a young roster, it allows me to build a rapport with these guys really easily. Um, and so I think they just get it. They, they, they kind of just see me as a peer rather than like someone who has an authority. Because in the mm. NBA, you don't have authority as a coach. It's, it's a player-run bit like league. Um, but we're all grown-ups. We're all grown men. So you can't talk to them crazy. I mean, you can, but you're probably going to get fired. Um, and that ultimately, they make the most money anyway. So right. The way you have to massage that relationship is just like, look, man, I'm here for you. Everything I'm doing is because I I want you to be better. And as soon as they buy into that and they believe that about mm-hmm. you, it just becomes very easy. And so that's kind of what keeps me motivated is, you know, when I get a text from a player that says, man, rookie year has been crazy, but I couldn't have had a better strength staff. You're like, damn, oh, that's, that's cool. awesome. You know, so those are the things that keep me going. I see sometimes on your Instagram, uh, you'll crank the music and I, I hear you yelling at everybody. Does that work with a lot of the guys? Cause sometimes, you know, if you're, if you're an older player, maybe, maybe the words aren't, aren't, aren't hitting you. Mm-hmm. Does that seem to work with your crew pretty well? Yeah. And I, I, this year it works a little bit better because we do have such a young roster. Yeah. Um, and I usually fill it out and see who's in the weight room and who's not. Um, but with it, with that said, like I'm kind of me all the time. I'm not going to change. So yeah. if it's not working for someone, that's okay. That's why we have a strength and conditioning staff. Like right. you don't just have to hear my voice. Or, <laughs> right. You know, Evans. A you might be different. driving somebody crazy for a little while, right? Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and most our guys like know who I am. They know yeah. what they're going to get from me every day. Like if it's a brunch, I mean, I walk in and say hi to everybody. Like I don't. We could have lost by fifty the night before. I don't care. Like I'm walking in. Good morning. Good morning. What's up, baby? How you feeling? Because um, that's just who I am, and I and I want and I want them to see it's not fake. So I'm going to do it every day. So. But for that the seems part, to be the works. biggest thing is uh, with motivation is uh, if it's like forced and it's like kind of corny, you're like, uh. mm-hmm. so like uh, I'm sure once the guys see you doing it on a weekly basis where you're yelling, come on, let's go or whatever motivational stuff you're, you're playing or yelling or whatever. After a while, they're just like, oh, that's just him. Yeah. That's yeah. just the way he is. For sure. And then they appreciate it. Yep. You know, and you learn that about your players too, is you start to appreciate even sometimes uh, some of the things someone may may do may be a little annoying. Right. uh, Even with your staff or whoever, you start to kind of, you're like, that's just the way that guy is. Yeah, for sure. Not a big deal. Right. Not going to get all stressed out about it. Yeah. And and that's what what you don't want to do is you don't want to be happy or excited like one day a week because then you're just phony and you're fake and guys see that. So, um, so guys know what they're going to get from me and. Sometimes they may be that they're just going to walk past the weight room because they don't want to deal with an overly excited guy. Like, and that's okay. Like, I get that because the other six days a week when you when you do want that, you know where to go. So Right. Um, what are some of the things uh, that, uh, you know, outside the weight room uh, that you may maybe weren't expecting? I mean, you go and uh, I'm sure you have uh, multiple times a year you sit down and kind of talk business. They, they probably review you. Re- you uh mentioned that you're recording, you know, everything that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Somebody's recording a lot of what you're doing and mm-hmm. paying attention to what you're doing. Um, how does some of that uh, go? And, and what are some things that, um, you know, like, cause you get attached to these players. Mm-hmm. 
and they are young. And I'm sure, you know, the, the talk that we have in here in this gym, uh, we have some pretty crude uh, locker room talk. You got to be right. a little bit careful where you're at, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You got to be careful what you say at certain times. And um, the great thing about kind of our space in, at Golden One Center is the weight room, even though it's all glass windows and doors, like you can always see into it. Um, it's pretty closed off. Right. Um, which culturally speaking, like some people think that's not good. Like you should not have walls and like, like, no, calm down because the, the weight room is like a venting place for everybody. <laughs> right. Right. Like, it, it, literally for anyone, like the, the average, you know, um, mom that goes to the gym at 24 hour fitness or crunch or wherever, whatever gym she's going to, like she's having self-talk and she's venting to herself in her head yeah. all the time. So like our players come in the weight room and they vent to us all the time. And so it's kind of our job. What I tell our staff is like, it's our job to listen but don't really comment on anything, right? Because if a player is complaining about something that's above our pay grade, like you don't want to be caught commenting on that. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, you want to be careful with what you say and who you agree with. And usually I just kind of nod my head and just kind of tell them like, yeah, like I can't relate, but I understand, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Well, and they're going to be frustrated. And then again, you know, kind of back to what we talk, we were talking to about earlier, the, the mindset of them not getting too negative. Mm -hmm. You can kind of always rein them back in and mm -hmm. say, hey, you know, remember what we talked about? I understand you're frustrated, but let's just try to, when we're in the weight room, let's try to keep things as positive. For sure. As we can, right? You can Absolutely. always kind of get that spin on things. Yeah. And even like through, through kind of the January, March time of NBA season, like if you're not a playoff team, it becomes just a grind because you're just sitting there like, well, we're not playing for the playoffs. Season's ending. So because of that, like, you got to remind people, like, the big thing that I'll say uh, during warm-ups is I'll just start screaming, we in the NBA, baby. Yeah. We in the NBA. Because at the end of the day, it's just like, I get it. You have things going on at mm -hmm. home. You're not playing as good as you thought you would. You're worried about this contract and that. And But look, man, at the end of the day, 10 years ago, you were dreaming of being here. So don't lose sight of that dream just because you're in the thick of it now. Like, yeah, so don't forget. Them, yeah, don't like we in the NBA, baby. This is awesome. So <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day, like it's, you're still part of something that there's a million people out there that would kill to be a part of. So regardless of how bad it may be perceived, like you may perceive it, it's not as bad as it re you really think it is. So. You get a chance to lift with the guys? <laughs> yeah, occasionally. We, very rarely. Like I try not to because, again, going back to what you just said, like I'm always being evaluated, especially mm -hmm. being 26, right? There's a million people that are looking at, in our weight room like, What's this kid doing? Especially if you have new people that come in, it's like right. they're kind of waiting for you to make a mistake. So I try not to because I don't want to give anyone a reason to think I'm not a pro. Um, but there's times where I think it helps a lot. So like, for example, on an off day, our staff doesn't really ever take a day off. There's always somebody from our staff in the gym. Um, Other staffs might, but you guys choose not to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so our sports medicine and sport performance staffs, like we're always in there 24-7, 365. If you need something, we're ready for you. Um, but so on those days, it might be a day where I only have one or two players come in. Mm. And so if there's one or two players and I have me or my intern or Evan in, you know, I might say, yo, Josh, who's our intern or Ev, you know, you run this one. And I may just change up into some workout gear with them and I may get after it with them. And I'll usually just use their weights and I'll just kind of go through it with them. But it's just right. showing them like, I'm down to get, I'm, I'm getting better with you. Like, and that's my thing with them. You're not going to be the only one getting better today, baby. Yeah. Come on now. <laughs> like I'm getting better too. And so they kind of appreciate that. And if there's only one or two guys in, on an off day, you can do that. But if there's eight NBA guys and everybody else is working and I did that, well, now nah, I look like I'm not a pro. So I try to manage that. But yeah, like who's this guy working on his biceps while everyone's trying <laughs> yeah. to you know, work out? Yeah, like we pay you to prepare our players and you're preparing yourself. That's not good. So What about shooting hoops? Shooting yeah. any hoops with these guys a little yeah, bit? occasionally. So, yeah, we, we play occasionally. They, uh, just, they must make fun of you. I mean, I know, I know you have a background. I know you can play. Yeah, yeah. But they yeah. still must talk trash. Yeah, I mean, they always <laughs> do, but until, like, I'll, I always bet them. So, that's my thing. Oh, they always go. like, oh, you can't shoot. I'm like, all right, well, put some on it then. And so, they're always like, I'll put $100 on it. But, like, to me, those bets are never fair because they would make way more money, right? So, I'm like, <laughs> nah, like, my 10 push-ups to your 100 bucks. And they're like, yeah. all right. And so, then I'll, like, make three or four in a row on them. And they're like, oh, damn. So, and I, like, always challenge my players to one-on-one. -on -one. Like, me and Buddy still have to finish our game of one-on-one. -on -one. So, yeah, at the beginning of the year, Buddy, Buddy said something. Like, he walked up to me. I'll bust your ass, Ram. I said, okay, well, what you got on it? So, he tried to make this crazy bet. And I'm like, no, nah, I can't take that. Um, but yeah, so I got, I got a few players that are lined up that I'm waiting to get this summer. He's like betting his like Aston Martin or something. You're like, oh, I don't have that kind of cash laying yeah. around to figure it out. I'll trade you my hot wheel for your real car. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How do you keep these guys, uh, motivated to, um, in a competitive but healthy way, compete against each other? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. What comes to mind, uh, is, uh, we use a, a few different things to track velocity, like bar velocity. 
And so sometimes that's our quickest way to. Yeah, I saw some of that stuff. Yeah, you getting like almost like a score. It's almost like a video game. You're getting points. Yep. Yeah. And so we, we try to breed competition through that because if we breed comp- competition through like weight, the amount of weight you're lifting, well, that can become like an injury issue, right? Like yeah, some someone, guys are stronger than other guys. Someone might say, screw it, man, I'm going for it. And they right. blow out their back deadlifting exactly. or something stupid, so, right? So instead of going that direction, like we'll just turn on what we have on our racks is a system called Elite Form. And we, we also have a Tendo unit that attached to our yeah, bars. That's pretty cool. On your squat racks, it films you while you're lifting. Yep. And then it tracks the bar speed on that. So what we might do is, uh, you know, we might put just 135 or 185 pounds on the bar. Um, which isn't that much weight, especially to the listeners of this podcast. Like that's definitely not a lot of weight, but all of our guys are seven feet tall. So it's, they got to travel. That's more work. Right. Um, so we might just put the same weight on. It's just like, who can move it faster? Who could drop down and get it up quicker? And now if a guy comes in and he hits like a 0.8 on this, on the, um, on the elite form, well, the next guy's like, man, get out of here. I'm on that. I'm on that next. Let me see that. And so that's just how we'll breed competition. And we usually use that for our squats and our benches. And then we have an isokinetic squat machine. We have force plates. Um, we have jump mats, we have vertex, like any way we can breed competition with an objective right. outcome. Like, Hey, he got that. What can you get? Guys, are, guys are usually do that. I like that, uh, belt squat you guys have. I yep. think it's pretty cool. It's yeah. like Kaiser's a company, yep. right? Yep. And even our Kaiser's give us, um, a power output number. I remember right. earlier in the year we were doing some jump testing with, uh, all of our young guys, but it was Vince Carter's like first day in and Vince Carter. Yeah. Shout Damn. out, shout out Vince Carter. He's a legend. Uh, He's also like the nicest guy I've ever met. Vince uh, Carter. No one will ever dunk better than that guy. I don't care nobody. what anybody says. So, yeah. So, we're doing a bunch of jump testing. And uh, I remember Fox, you know, and Fox could jump. Like, that kid's stud um, athletically, one of the best I've seen. But, you know, all of our guys are jumping. And Fox, you know, everyone's kind of waiting for Fox. So, Fox comes in and jumps. And he hits hits the uh, the Vertec, which just measures jump height. And uh, and then we have an IsoConnect squat machine. So, that day we were doing some testing. And Vince walks in. He's like, what's up, y'all? And he kind of looks up at the Vertec. He's like, who did that? I'm like fox that's cute and he just like (laughs) like bunny hops and like just taps it with one finger like oh that's cute and then he hops on like the uh (laughs) he hops on our isoconnect squat machine and i told him who the like what the high number was and he's like all right let me warm up and he like just proceeds to killing that and this dude's like 40 years old and he's still killing it so yeah it's insane what i mean um you know for some of the listeners um that are working with some athletes and stuff that are trying to get people to jump higher and stuff like that. I mean, obviously there's uh, some genetic components to a lot of this, but um, have you noticed, you know, somebody just going from, I mean, it's not as simple as squatting 225 to squatting 275. Right. There's no real assurance that that's going to help your, your jumping power and Mm -hmm. and how high you jump. Right. Mm -hmm. What are some things that really do help? Yeah, I mean, I think that's one one piece of it's obviously strength. Like if you're just weak, especially like jumping ultimate is just a, a measure of relative power. Like how powerful are you to your body weight? Mm. Um, so if you're relatively weak, then that's not a good thing. So yeah, strength is part of it. Um, and then specific movements within that. So different deadlifting variations, squat variations, um, trap bar or hinge variations. Um, but beyond that, like jumping is also a skill. Right. So you need to jump a lot, just like any other skill. You need to train your skill or you need to practice your skill. So jumping is a skill. So because of that, typically guys that can jump really high are guys that grew up playing basketball or volleyball that just jumped as a kid and they jumped all the time and they've been jumping for 20 years. Right. Um, so if you're relatively strong or if you're relatively weak, then you need to strength train. Uh, if you don't jump a lot, then you should just start jumping more. Mm. And then within those two kind of ends of lifting things heavy and jumping a lot, you, sh- you should probably do variations of jumping with lighter weights so then you can kind of train the strength speed continuum Uh, so that's kind of what we do with our guys so you might that can get a little dangerous from time to time right it could jumping with weights but you guys jump on foam boxes probably and not the metal boxes and take some precautions in that way and are you you also trying to make sure that uh your guys are, are are um you know, jumping exponentially X amount of inches above the box. So they're not like, so it's not, not just a display of, uh, of them, pu- yeah, of them pulling their feet yeah. up, right? Yeah. So our big one is basically if you can't land in the same position you left the floor in, uh, then the box is probably too high for you. Ah. So rather than jumping, you know, you jump in almost like a I quarter squat position or half squat position and you leave the ground. If you can't land in a half squat position, you know, if you're landing with 
you know, ass to the grass. Right. It's probably too high of a box for you because now all you're doing is pulling your legs up. Uh, so that's our way we kind of manage. I've been telling height. people stuff like that for years because it's just like it, it's it's uh, not detrimental to mm -hmm. uh, jump higher than the box. You know what I mean? It's right. it's not it's not negative, um, but it is negative if you fall. For sure. For <laughs> Especially sure. if you got some weights in your hands. Yeah. What kind of weights are these guys able to hold on to? Uh, we, we haven't <clears> done many. We, we rarely do like a weighted jump okay, with dumbbells in hands. Maybe. But we might go weight vest or we might go trap or not trap bar, excuse me, barbell. Um, so we might just go light barbell. Sometimes it's just an unweighted barbell. You just jump. Now it's 45 pounds yeah. on your back. Sometimes it's a weight vest. Sometimes it's two. Um, sometimes it's a med ball. Like last night we had Harry Giles and we're doing split squat jumps with a 15 pound med ball mm. at chin height. Um, so we just find different ways to load that movement. Uh, and then we try to be cautious of the landing portions of those things because obviously landing with load. If, right. you're, if you're not ready for that, then that can bury you and that can't be good. So do you do some stuff that's just timed like, Hey, uh, you know, uh, alternate legs and a split, um, and a split squat position back and forth for 30 seconds or stuff for speed and time type <laughs> deal sprints. Yeah. Most of, of our time stuff comes earlier in the off season just for like energy system development right. work. So earlier in the off season, we'll do different time things and, and it helps with with becoming it helps with the more efficient kind of weight room because early in the off season we may that's probably the only time in the season where we'll have 10 to 12 guys in the weight room at once because mm. typically these guys yeah. don't all work out it's not like in college especially college basketball you all work out together and it's like you have the whole roster in for an hour or whatever um in the nba it's it's a lot different we don't have like block schedules it's gotcha. we have four or five guys in at a time so but when we do have 10 to 12 that's when we do time stuff because then we could just rotate and it becomes really efficient so energy system development off season stuff um, we'll do different timing things. Who's the biggest mutant you've ever coached? You ever worked with? Oh, just like someone who flat out can do some weird, freaky stuff. Here, it's like, what the hell? I mean, Vince Carter probably tops them all. Yeah. Uh, and I'm fortunate to to actually have worked with him, but that's only this season. Uh, but there's definitely been some like stud athletes that I've been able to work with. Ben McLemore comes to mind. Like mm. he's just always a beautiful. He's a beautiful athlete. Like you're like, man. Everything he does just looks correct. There's some people they could be, you know, like uh, on their knees and they can jump into like a squat position, but then there's some dude that can do it with like 225. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. Or, or with 135 and jump up on a box. Uh -huh. You know, you're just like, I'm not even sure how to make sense of yeah. what these guys are able to do. And most of our guys, so like most NBA players, because NBA, because basketball kind of spans a spectrum of athleticism, like most of these guys can be pretty good at a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, but in the weight room, we don't really have opportunities to really test those extremes just because the majority of your workout comes with us in, or the majority of your training comes in, during season with us. So we can't really get too crazy. Right. Um, but that would be fun to like, <laughs> just see what you could do. You yeah. Know? Just, yeah. See all the different crazy shit you can Has do. Has there been anybody that you got to kick out of the gym? Oh, uh, somebody that just like, dude, chill out. You need to rest a little bit. Uh, no, well, there's definitely guys that we like discouraged for coming in. Like, mm -hmm. so like Bogdan Bogdanovich like shoots every single day and you're like, dude, no, stop. Like, <laughs> you, like, like, chill out. Yeah. Like the hundred shots you're going to shoot today and make, like, that's probably not going to necessarily help. But for him, it's just a mental thing. Like, how does it help? How does it hurt? It could be hurting you. You could be doing too much of it. Exactly. Right. And so for certain guys, you know, you're trying to pull back on like, yo, you don't like just stay in bed and chill and relax and like go do a normal thing because that's probably good for you from a psychological perspective but some guys just need it you know like that's bogey like i have to shoot every day like okay we'll just shoot two and then leave like i don't know you know <laughs> uh, so yeah there's certain guys that you definitely have to pull back on which which is a good problem to have like right if if i had to choose between that problem or like having to chase people into the gym and make them get their work in i want the guy that i have to pull back on versus the guy that i got to chase around all day yeah you've been uh kind of advertising this sports performance symposium. Can you yeah. tell us what that's all about? Yeah. So this, I'm excited about this. Uh, so that graphic there, that's you guys are showing that started. So basically the new year hit and I'm like, man, quit talking about shit and just be about it. And so uh, my girlfriend's a creative designer who's sitting in the room now. And so I told her like, mock this up and that's all i had like i had no other plans there were no plans behind <laughs> this it was like a graphic and instagram right but i posted it because i know if i put it out like i would hold myself accountable to it so i posted it uh it got some good traction I'm like oh shit this is cool uh, so from there i just started like hitting people up and now we have a presenter list that's like really really top notch um what's unique about it is every speaker except one is from the bay area or mm -hmm. works within the bay area currently um, so we have Stanford, we have 49ers, San Jose Sharks, uh, a guy from Cal, uh, 
obviously uh, uh, us, so Sacramento Kings, UC Davis, Sacramento State, <clears throat> and the Anaheim Ducks. So, what are you imagining is going to happen at this uh, symposium? Uh, so the majority, the majority of attendees will probably be strength and conditioning coaches, uh, from within the Bay area and beyond. We'll probably cap it at a hundred people. Um, cause I want to keep it highly engaged. So people will, you know, engage, but for the most part, it's going to be, you know, we'll have presentations on stage for about 30 minutes. And then after that, what I'm going to do is, um, create table assignments so that every, every single person has to speak with every other individual within that day and communicate oh, cool. and talk, um, and they'll talk about something relevant to each presentation. Um, and then we'll do a vendor show during lunch, which is going to be a good opportunity for uh, our attendees and our vendors and sponsors to kind of engage and do some things there. Um, and then post-conference, I'm encouraging everybody to go out and have a drink somewhere. I'm working on location for that. But go out, have a drink, continue networking, continue learning with each other. So my ultimate goal really was just to bring something to the Bay Area. I grew up in the Bay Area as an assistant. When I first got here as the assistant, it was something that was on my mind. Um, but I was so focused on just trying to like be a pro and uh, so I didn't want to put any time in anything else. Right. Um, but this year I'm like, man, just, just do it. And so it's been good. Like there's nothing currently really in the Bay area or Northern California that, that brings together sport performance professionals in our field. Yeah. Uh, so it's, I'm kind of feeling a void, I think with that. And, uh, my, my plan is just to continue growing it every year and hopefully it becomes like the biggest thing in the Bay area for our industry. Cool. How can someone be a strength conditioning coach? What What are some of the first steps they should be looking into? Uh, first thing I tell people is go find somebody to like work for and work for for free. Like that's okay. Like just a high school or whatever, wherever. Like if there's somebody training someone and you want to train someone, then go follow them. Like that's how I started. There was a gym down the street from my house, and uh, I just went in and said, "Hey, like you're training athletes. I want to train athletes someday. Can I shadow you?" They're like get out of here, kid. Yeah, and like, and so uh, he was like, "Yeah, sure." So like I would follow him around and. He was like, we'd go and like train five-year-olds. Like it didn't matter. Like I was there and I, and I just wanted to learn and bug and ask questions. Um, so go find someone, whether it's, and it's probably going to be work for free. Like in our industry, you just have to work for free. And, and, you know, if you feel like some type of way about that, I worked for free for collectively two years. So I have like four internships under my belt, about six months each or whatever. And, uh, but like it worked out, you know what I mean? Like you right. just got to put the time in. Uh, degree wise, probably, you're probably going to need a degree in exercise science or something you don't necessarily have to like especially in today's age with instagram and twitter and all these things like you don't need a degree but if you want to end up training professional athletes or college athletes you'll probably need one um and then get certified so the big one in our industry is the cscs which is certified strength and conditioning specialist um, through the nsca um, so those are kind of the, the main steps there is like get certified yeah get you can experience you can spend a lot of time to like try to fake it but you're you're better off just getting some of these certs and just Getting getting the job done. Otherwise, you're yeah. going to spend a lot of time just trying to reroute what you're, you know, ultimately going to have to do anyway. Probably. Yeah. For, and if you're gonna if you're gonna apply for a college or a professional job, it's usually the bare minimum. Like if you don't have that, no one's right. going to even look at you. Which you know, I'm not I'm not saying that the certification is like you need it. Like yeah. no, I, I you can be great without it. But if you, you got to play the game sometimes, right? Where can people find you? Uh, if you want, if you me? want people to find you. Uh, Instagram? I don't even know my Instagram handle. I think it's like Ramsey underscore Nigel. Before we, uh, before we jump off here, um, you know, nutrition plays a, a big a big part in all this. Um, what kind of nutrition are you preaching to these guys? Is that a huge discussion or uh, is it uh, too hard of a thing to manage? Uh, I mean, we definitely attack it to the best of our ability. So the big things we talk about is calories and protein. Like those are the first, the big ones, like replenish your calories and make sure you're just getting enough protein. Right. Uh, and then from there, you know, there's some carb stuff that we'll try to sneak in for recovery and those types of things. But the big one with these guys, especially a young roster uh, that needs to gain weight to continue competing in the NBA is just eat calories. Yeah, they need eat to eat. Eat protein. Like, and sometimes like, they're like, oh, I, I shouldn't have this. I'm like, however, you got to get your calories. And so like- Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. And so some of our guys are like eating quote unquote unhealthy foods before a game, but Okay, in the grand scheme of things, like that's a thousand calories. Right. That's, it's definitely easier to get it through a quote unquote bad food than it is through a damn salad. So sometimes <laughs> yeah. like we have to just manage that. And sometimes it's, I don't encourage my guys to eat poor, but it's like, oh shoot, Ram, I shouldn't have this. I'm like, well, it beats the alternative, which was you probably weren't going to eat. So yeah, it's better than nothing. Um, so yeah, and then as we kind of build, like my motto is early on with these guys, you just try to get them to appreciate calories and protein. And then from there, you build that out to like, okay, food choices. What, 
within the group of proteins, mm-hmm. like what's a leaner protein source versus not lean. So, but first we start with the basics and then we just build out over their career. Is the front office supportive with some of that? Like are they getting some, you know, trying to get fruits and things like that for the yeah. team and meat and oh, good, yeah. high quality foods? Yeah, we have two chefs full time. Oh, work with there us. you go. That's um, sick. A, night, a, yeah. a beautiful kitchen and they do a great job. So like, yeah, I mean, we're fully invested in the nutrition side of things. And then that's great. we just start with education. We have it all there. Like all the best foods are there. Now it's just educating you on why you should be eating them and when you should be eating them yeah. and those types of things. And for anybody that's listening, uh, Ramsey is a great follow on Instagram. Cause like you always have like, you're like, whether it be a protein shake or like, I can't, I, I'll even interact with you. Like, yo, like, should I be eating this or that? And you're very responsive and I really appreciate that. Yeah, no but doubt. You know, you just, sh- you, you break down your macros and you, you make it simple on your Instagram story. And it's like, you get a lot of information just following your story. So I highly recommend everybody go find this guy and follow him. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then if you can't find him, you just find us on Instagram and I'll tag him in one of our recent posts and you'll, you'll find him that way. It comes to your own nutrition. Uh, a lot of people have their own weird, uh, like mix of food that mm-hmm. they've, you know, uh, we had someone on recently who said they eat uh, eggs and rice like every morning. Um, I got my weird bone broth thing going on. Yep. Uh, different people have different go-tos. What are some of your go-tos? Oh, man. I'm not very exciting. I don't think you're a protein area. bar guy or you're just like a steak yeah, guy. Or like sh- you just definitely shakes and like straight protein. So it's every morning. I basically skip breakfast. Every Anything day. fancy with the shakes or is it just mixed with water? Just water. Coffee? And that's mainly because I don't like protein shakes, right. which is crazy because I have like two, three a day. But like still to the, I've been drinking protein for like 10 years. And still to this day, if I, if I like stop drinking at any point, then I can't finish it. Cause I just, I have to hold my breath. Oh, you have to just hammer it. I just have to hammer it. Yeah. <laughs> and so like I'll, I'll do two or three a day. Um, and I usually skip breakfast. Like that's my big thing. Like a lot of times people are like, you gotta eat breakfast every day. And I think that's like, for most people that that's probably true, but ultimately what you probably need to do, whether, whatever your body composition goal is, is you just need to control your calories and however you decide to do that. Right. Sometimes you need more calories. Sometimes you need less. Right. Um, but then once you figure out what you need, you need to come up with strategies throughout your day to help achieve right. those goals. And so for me, like I know that if I eat breakfast, then it's probably gonna be harder for me to maintain the calories I want because I'll probably overeat. So I usually skip breakfast and I'm not really that hungry. That might go with your work schedule real well. Maybe at real the end well. of the day when it's 7 p.m., maybe you feel like having a pretty big meal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And because you didn't eat in the morning, you can afford to have one without gaining Absolutely. weight or yeah, whatever the goal is. Yeah, and that's especially for us in, in the NBA. I mean, you eat, you're eating at like 11, 12, like last night, right? We got, we have food on the plane. I'm eating quote unquote dinner at like 10 p.m. And because of that, or I'll eat post game after home game. So because of that, it's like my whole entire eating schedule just gets shifted. So like my lunch becomes my breakfast and then like a pregame dinner becomes lunch and then postgame becomes my dinner. Mm -hmm. So I just shift everything forward and to account for that, I just have a protein shake when I wake up. There you go. That's my boy Ramsey. That's all the time we got. Strength is never a weakness. Weakness is never strength. Bye.